Hey there, and welcome to the Alenia Church Podcast, your place to get all of Alenia Church's previous messages. Messages are designed to equip you on your journey with Christ. Today, we dive into the series, The Good Shepherd. Pastor Jeremy discusses the profound impact that God has at our forefront and can have on our everyday lives. Join us today on this episode of The Good Shepherd at Alenia Church. So just a couple things uh, real quick. Uh, first, I have some disappointing news. Um, the, uh, we had a night of worship planned for this Friday, and due to circumstances outside of our control, um, um, this building's been double booked. And so we are not, and we don't own this building. Uh, this is an event center. We get to rent it out every Sunday. Uh, they're very generous to us, but they already had an event this Friday. So our night of worship is being postponed. I do not have a date for you. We will figure that out uh, in the future, so probably beginning of next year as we get out of the holidays. Uh, and then also, <clears throat> I want you to look around. This has been typical for uh, uh, October. Um, God's doing something uh, in, in our midst. I, I told our team uh, last Sunday, I was like, um, I have been in church a long time. I understand I kind of think I understand church growth. I kind of think I have it all figured out. And then God does something that's not according to plan. So you're not supposed to grow in October and November. And God just laughs at that and says, okay, we'll see what you what you think about this. And so uh, we keep having to pull chairs out. Um, we will, in the future, very near, need to go to two services. And uh, let, me, let me say this about us as a church and <clears throat> who I want us to be as a church. I want us to be a growing church, um, not in just the, the idea that we grow in numbers, but I want us to be, I want us to parent churches. I want us to be a church planting church. And part of uh, what that looks like is, is kind of like we're going to be planting another service. Um, as people walk in and we run out of chairs, people will start to turn themselves away and, uh, you know, decide they'll go somewhere that does have room for me. And I don't want us to be a church that doesn't have room for someone. I want us to have, be a church that always has an empty chair. Um, I want to relish in the empty chairs more than I relish in the full chairs uh, because I know that there's space for people. <clears throat> and I want to keep making space for people. So the only way that we can do that, though, is to have more people putting their hands to the plow because many hands make light work. Does that make sense? And so the only way that we're going to be able to pull off two services is I need those of you who have not yet stepped up to serve, I need you to go to 201 and I need you to serve because uh, it is, it is, we are going to need it on every aspect. If somebody plays piano, um, God is convicting you right now. <coughs> Spencer claims that in the name of Jesus. Um, but one of the things also at the same time where I want us to be a birthing church uh, and birth another service is I, I also don't want to be a church that does things at the expense of other people. Does that make sense? So one of the things we're going to do when we go to two services is we are going to structure that in a way that does not kill our kids service our kids volunteers they work really really hard uh, but what it does do for us is it opens us up to be able to serve a service 
and then attend a service. So if you're not serving because you don't want to miss church, now you don't have an excuse We're, when we go to two services. Uh, so, um, so please sign up for that. But also, if we have to do two services and do, a, do only one service with kids, uh, uh, kids' curriculum and the other service without, we'll do that. That's not ideal, but again, I'm not going to do something at the detriment of our kids' workers. Does that make sense? And so we need this uh, in all areas, guest services. Uh, we have a, a security team. We have people that are, you know, we're definitely going to need more help in the parking lot, shuffling cars in and out. We don't have a really big parking lot. Uh, so... That is my big spiel. Two services are coming, whether we like it or not. Um, it's a sign of health. It's a sign of growth. And it actually will make it more healthy for our existing volunteers because now they'll be able to come and sit and, and, and receive, right? So please sign up for 201. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to be next week or the week after. But as long as your name is on a card and we can get that email in front of you and we can serve you those amazing little sandwiches that are on Hawaiian rolls, those are the best. <clears throat> That's what we have. That's what they're really, really good. And then also, listen, if you volunteer, you get to be part of our volunteer banquet that you just missed last night. That was awesome. It was so much fun. Uh, we had a jazz band up here. They were so good. The jazz band was fantastic. Um, and uh, it was just a night just to love on our volunteers and just to say, you guys are special. You really, really are special. And um, uh, we, it's not that we couldn't do this without you. and We couldn't, but we don't want to do this without you right? We, like, it would be boring to do this without you. It's so much more fun uh, to, to, be, to be in it together. So thank you so much. All right. Um, I used to be, um, I've got a, can I have my water? I've got a frog in my throat and it will not leave me. So if I hack into the microphone, typically I wear a headset. So God knew I was going to have a frog in my throat this morning. So so I could do that and not kill you all. Um, I used to be a really, really bad flyer. When I was in college, I went to, I was in Lynchburg, Virginia. It was a Liberty University. And I signed up for a mission trip to Hong Kong. And it was while Hong Kong was still under British rule. And what we did is we smuggled Bibles into mainland China from Hong Kong. Sounds really scandalous. It wasn't that bad. Um, so it was a bunch of college students, and I'd never flown before. And so this was my first flight experience. They put, they, we, we drove to Roanoke. They put us on a, um, I like to call them ceiling fan planes. It's where they wind the rubber band up and put propellers on the front of the plane and then launch you off into the air. So we went from Roanoke to Dulles Airport, and then we went on a, a, a wide body from Dulles Airport <clears throat> to uh, Los Angeles, and then we were on a 747 jumbo jet uh, from LA all the way to Hong Kong, 15 hours. My first flying experience, and I did not sleep a wink because I was so scared that the plane was just going to magically just drop out of the sky. I don't know if you've been on one of those big wide bodies, but the, the doors are massive. They've got they've got these like almost like the shelf and. We had a lot of our college students. I was, I'm not joking, I was at the very back last aisle on the plane. And there was a bunch of our college students, uh, they were on by the door 
sitting there playing cards on the shelf of the door in the back, trying to, you know, waste 15 hours of time. And I was like, they're going to hit a button and we're all going to get sucked out of the plane. I mean, I, you name it. I'm, I, I'm a kind of a, a nervous, anxious person anyway. Uh, my pastor uh, in, in East Tennessee, he said, son, you could, you could sew a thread, uh, sew, you could thread a sewing machine and it a running. If that makes sense, because I was always like this, like, and he's like, "You're gonna have to calm down." And so I got there, and, and we were we were flying into Hong Kong. It was the old airport, and we were doing these one G turns, and it was a huge bad storm, and we were getting through really bad turbulence, such bad turbulence that the overhead compartments were flying open, and luggage was falling out. This is my first experience flying. Right. And so uh, we we I, we landed safely. Uh, we did the mission trip and I knew that God was going to allow me to die in a plane crash because I'd already done the Lord's work of the mission trip. Right. <laughs> I was messed up, y'all. Um, the, the 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 thing about fear is it can be gripping. Right. Um, I was fearful of the flight. I was fearful of the anticipation of the flight. I was fearful during the flight. Now I've, fl I've flown so much that it's like old hat now. Now my wife is the one who's fearful. I mean, she. one time we, I was interviewing for a church in, in Las Vegas, and we were flying out of Las Vegas in, in this hot desert, and so the plane is getting all those convection bumps and stuff, and, and she leans over, and she holds on to me so tight that she pulled a muscle in her abdomen. I don't know of anybody who has ever pulled a muscle being so scared of flying, but but. Now, I'm not the one that's scared. She's the one that's scared. I'm like, I'm, I'm your brave husband. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to ask you this question. Have you ever felt fear clutching at your heart, rendering you almost immobile? See, it's in those moments when fear's grip seems the strongest that we often uncover profound questions and an credible possibilities for personal growth and a renewed understanding of our shepherd and of the gospel. See, last week we ended um, the first of this series message talking about the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He is our provider. He leads me beside still waters. He, he is a, a God of peace and, and, and tranquility says uh, he restores my soul, meaning he causes me to repent. He is a God who seeks us out and wants to pull us back to himself. And he does all this, why? For his name's sake, right? We like to think, well, it's like because God loves us so much. No, it's because of his name's sake, meaning that God acts out of his own integrity. God acts out of his own integrity. God doesn't do these things just because he's a nice guy. God does these things because that is the essence of who God is. That is the essence of who God is. And these, these are the passages we love to preach from the pulpit, right? God is, God is your provider. 
God is your guide. God is Jehovah Jireh. Amen. God, he, he's done it before, and he can do it again. And, and, and God is a God of blessing. And don't, and don't worry. We're going to talk about God being a God of blessing in the next couple of weeks. And, and God is good. And, and, and God is for you and not against you. We love all those messages because we can, we can create a good pep rally around those. Like, yeah, yeah. But my responsibility as a pastor is to preach the whole of the Bible. And when life happens, and I don't do that, you'll start questioning everything I've preached. Because you lose a loved one and you think to yourself, wait a minute, I thought God was a good God. You feel spiritually dry and you thought God would always be there for you. So where's the green pastures that he promised? You're overcome with fear and anxiety and stress and worry, and you wonder, wait a minute, God, where are those still waters you promised in Psalms 23? Your, your marriage is, is on the rocks, and you wonder, wait, where is that table that was supposed to be set before me? And you start to question your faith and you start to question who God is and you start to question all of those songs that you grew up with. Jesus does me this I know for the Bible tells me so. And then you experience life and you're like, wait a minute, I'm not really sure if I believe that anymore. So just as it is important for me to preach that God is your provider, it is also important for me to preach that God is your protector. And that's my message for you today, is God is your protector, meaning life is hard. Y'all knew that, life is hard. Life is difficult. And so we get to this point in our passage in verse 4, basically it's one verse. We're going to be doing a whole message today on one verse. And it says this, yea, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Because of how Psalms 23 is structured, I'm not going to get into like all the mechanics of it. What we do need to understand is this verse is the climax of the passage. It's not the end of the the. Psalms 23, it's the middle of Psalms 23 that's the peak, it's the climax, it's the, it's the thing that's really highlighted. And what we're going to do is we're, we're going to dissect this one verse step by step, starting with this, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What's interesting about this verse is the valley of the shadow of death is actually translated the valley of deepest darkness, the valley of deepest darkness. And I don't know if you've ever experienced deepest darkness. I don't know if you've ever gone through a time in your life when, when you didn't feel like that you could see the light. I don't know if you've went through a time in your life when, when you didn't know which way was up. I don't know if you've went through a time in your life where you just felt like that cloud was over you. And maybe maybe deepest darkness for you is because of circumstances that have happened in your life Maybe, maybe something tragic has happened in your life. Maybe it's something where you, you lost everything or, or you lost a job or you got passed over or you got overlooked. Maybe, maybe deepest darkness, like for me, 
The times when I've had the deepest darkness is the times that I've struggled with depression. When I couldn't see straight, when I, I, I couldn't see the truth, when everything felt like a cloud over my life. And for me, that was my time of deepest darkness. So why, why are we going through these valleys of deepest darkness? Why, why are they so dangerous? Well, the reason these valleys are dangerous when we look at this passage is one, in these valleys, you would have flash flooding. So when you think about this valley that David is writing about in Psalms 23, one of the ways that you can think about it is if you ever watch Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, right? And he's got to go through the Crescent Valley, and he walks in, and there's that big, that's Petra, all right? So that's a, that's a real place in Jordan. Well, in, in the 1960s, 21 French tourists were in that valley touring Petra, and a flash flood came through and killed them. In fact, flash flooding is a thing that happens in that valley. So these valleys of deepest darkness, they're susceptible to flash flooding. I got pictures up on the screen. Uh, in 2015, we went out and hit a bunch of national parks, and we took the kids through uh, the Narrows in Zion National Park. And one of the things that they told you while you were hiking the Narrows was to be aware of flash flooding. And the way that you were aware of flash flooding wasn't that you were looking at the forecast of where you were. You were looking at the forecast of somewhere miles away because that determined if flash flooding was imminent. And so here I am walking with a five-year-old Weston and a seven-year-old Wyatt, like scared to death that, you know, I want them to experience you know, experience of a lifetime and I also don't want them to die, Right. And so we walked the narrows and we hiked the narrows, but it gave, gave me a sense of what these valleys of deepest darkness look like. Well, another thing that happens in these valleys is that you would have bandits. Bandits would be hiding out for you and, and taking you out and, and wanting to ambush you. And the thing that we need to understand about these valleys of deepest darkness is they can't be avoided. It's something the shepherd has to take us through. There's no bypass. There's no magical escape. The only way forward through the valleys of darkness and the valley of sin and the valley of despair and the valley of deepest darkness is forward. And that's what the shepherd does is he leads us forward. He is moving us on. He is taking us to the next step. But here is the good news about your valley. Here's the good news about whatever you find yourself in or whatever you found yourself in or whatever you will find yourself in. The good news is I will fear no evil. I don't have to fear. I don't have to, to, to succumb to that. It doesn't have to be that way. The valleys of deepest darkness are reality. The fear does not have to be. We overcome fear because we know we don't stay in the valley. I mean, think about that. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
He doesn't say, even though I have to sit here and waller in this valley of the shadow of death, even though I have to sit here and suffer through this valley of the shadow of death, even though I have to sit here and get taken out by flash floods and taken out by bandits and taken out by evil. No, he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Jesus is taking us through those moments. Jesus is leading us out of those times of despair. And so we don't have to fear evil. We don't have to fear what those valleys hold because we don't dwell there. And God is a shepherd who doesn't allow his sheep to stay in the valley. He is a good God. He is a good shepherd. There's evil in the valley, but you don't have to fear it. That's why Isaiah says that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Hey, see, the weapon gets formed. The enemy is at work. He does want to attack you. He has fashioned weapons against you. But the good news is, is greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Meaning that weapon may be foreign, but it has no power on you. It will not prosper. That's why we don't have to fear evil. That's why we don't have to fear evil. Why else don't we have to fear evil? Because you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, the first part of this verse, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that's our perspective, right? I'm walking through something I don't necessarily care for. I'm walking through something that's tough. I'm walking through a valley of deepest darkness. It's our perspective. But the second part of the verse is God's perspective. You're with me. You know, it's the first time in the whole Psalms 23 passage that David actually addresses God directly. The Lord is my shepherd making proclamations, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Causes me to repent. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He never acts outside of his character. It's who God is. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and he's like, you're with me. You're with me. Your rod and your staff, they, they comfort me. So it's okay and it's necessary to name things what they are. You don't get through the deep valley by ignoring that it's a deep valley. You don't get through the times of deepest darkness by sticking your head in the sand. You don't get through the valley of the shadow of death by ignoring that it's there. You name it what it is. It is a valley of deepest darkness, but you don't start, stop, stop there. You name it, but then you proclaim the truth behind it. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Even though I am struggling, God, you're still there. Even though I am dry, I know your presence is with me. Even though 
Do we have even though kind of faith? Do we have even though kind of perspective on what's happening? God, I love you because you're good. God, I love you because you're faithful. God, I love you because you're there. And then life happens. And that's not so clear anymore. And so then maturity in your faith, you start praying different prayers. You start praying, even though I'm walking through this difficult time, I am proclaiming in faith that you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me, even though, even though this stinks, even though this is hard, even though this is not what I would wish, even though I would not have chosen this path, God, you're with me, even though this is hard, even though this pruning is difficult, even though I can say out loud that I know this is for my good, I don't feel it, God. I don't, this is not fun. I don't like this. I don't understand why you're doing this. I'm not, I, what's going on? But you're with me. It's okay to voice your perspective, but we have to come at it right after Voicing the reality that God is in control. Voicing in reality his perspective. That's why Paul says, I love this, that God, God, I understand that we are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, don't understand, but guess what? I'm not going to despair. We are persecuted, but guess what? We're not abandoned. We are struck down, but guess what? We're not destroyed. Though we have died in Christ, guess what? We are also alive in him. I am alive in Christ. I am redeemed by his blood. I can walk boldly into the throne room. Some of you need to get a little stack of sticky notes, and you need to write these things down, and you need to paste them all over your mirror, all over your dash. Just make sure you can see where the speedometer is, right, and where your blinkers are, because if you got the Alenia bumper sticker in the back, I don't need you all cutting people off, right? But you need to write these things down because you so easily forget that God is for you. You so easily forget that God loves you. You so easily forget that God is with you. So you may say that you're dry, but the reality is God is with you. The reality is that he is on your heels. The reality is, is that we have a God that chases after us. This is why a Psalm says 139, where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I fly on the wings of the dawn and settle down on the western horizon, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me, meaning you can't hide from him. You can't outrun God. I mean, think about it. Adam and Eve, they're the first ones that messed all this up. I mean, you want to go back and go, guys, what were you thinking? You had all of this at your disposal. You had it. Look, you're naming lions and naming armadillos, and you got the orangutan over here. You got the tree of. Knowledge of good and evil, and you got the tree of life. And which, what did you do? You picked, what were you thinking? 
They picked the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They ate the tree that God said, don't eat. And what did they do? They knew, they figured it out, we can just hide from him. We'll just go hide from God. And we do the same thing. We just think that if we just stop praying, if we just stop going to church, if we just stop getting around other believers, if we just isolate ourselves, somehow all this will just go away. We can just hide from God. And so I ask you the same thing I would ask Adam and Eve. What are you thinking? You can't hide from God. You're never too far gone. That's why I love Psalms 23. He causes me to repent. He chases after us over and over and over. The shepherding metaphor, Jeremiah, Zechariah, Ezekiel, he is getting on to the, to, to the leaders of Israel saying, you know what? If you're not going to do it, I'm going to be the shepherd. And this is the kind of shepherd I'm going to be. I'm going to go after my sheep. I'm going to chase them down. I'm going to find the lost ones. I, I, I'm, I'm going to be the shepherd that leaves the 99 to go find the one. And that's the God that we serve. Let me, let me go back to fear a little bit. The reason that sheep fear so much is they have no natural defenses. When you stick Fluffy the cat out there, he's got his claws, right? Plus, he's a cat. No one wants to mess with a cat, so just leave, the, just leave the cat alone. You got the dog out there. He's going to grab you with his teeth. Put a gazelle out there. He's going to run, right? You got a sheep. The sheep is going to be frozen in fear because he realizes there's nothing I can do. I can't outrun the wolf. I don't have claws. I can't bite. All I can sit there and do is go, bah. And so when a sheep senses its loss, and, and I think this is like, you guys, you got to understand this metaphor of sheep and shepherd is so perfect. Because when a sheep gets lost, it gets frozen in fear. When it gets isolated and it realizes that, man, we've really messed up. It gets frozen in fear. And, and listen, it's not the journey. The journey doesn't paralyze us. It's the fear that paralyzes us. It's the anticipation of the valley. It's, it's the fear of what might be. There, there is fear of actually going through the valley. But there's an anticipation of that fear of going through the valley. Then there's the fear of actually finding yourself lost and isolated from the rest of the herd. But God is present. So even though you think you're lost, God's with you. This idea for you are with me, right there is a foreshadowing of the incarnation of Christ. For you are with me. Matthew one twenty three. you are Emmanuel, God with us. 
He is a present God. The, God. the idea of God being with Israel was very profound in their culture. It was something that they, that they knew differentiated them from everybody else. Because in Deuteronomy 4, 7, it says, For what great nation is there that has a God near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call to him? So the last thing is, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you wonder, a rod and a staff, what's, what's going on there? So let me explain this to you. The first thing is the rod. The rod was a symbol of protection. It, was, it can be translated rod, it can be translated scepter, it can be translated weapon, but it was about two and a half feet long. It was mace-like, meaning it had like shards of metal on the end. It was the primary weapon of the shepherd. It was, wasn't a walking stick. I mean, this was a weapon, right? And it was used to protect the sheep that had no defenses. And so when the sheep was getting attacked, they had the mace and they would start swinging that thing and taking out anything that came after his sheep. That's why, that's why David, when he was talking to, uh, when he was uh, talking, oh, I'm drawing a blank, Saul. And he went in there and he said, listen, I've killed bears, I've killed lions. He was talking about his mace. He's like, I got this. But the, another thing this is really interesting is that you would have the pen and they would ask the, you remember last week, all the shepherd had to do was to call out to the sheep and the sheep would recognize the shepherd's voice from everybody else. That's why the shepherd leads. He doesn't drive us, he leads us. He does it from the front because he can do it with his gentle voice, his call. But he would stand in the pen and he would hold his rod out like this and he would count the sheep, the same rod that was used to whop up on the wolves, right? That's my East Tennessee lingo, whop up. He would take the rod and he would hold it out like this and the sheep would walk under the rod and he would go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And he would sit there and he would count the sheep. Watch this. How do I know this? Because the Bible tells me so. Leviticus 27, 32. Every tenth animal from the herd or flock which passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord. So they would use that rod to count. This is what I want you to know about that. You're counted. I think this world gets so big and as we grow as a church, the church is going to get bigger and I think even in this room you can kind of get lost in a crowd. But guess what? You're counted. God sees you. He knows his sheep because he counts you. That's why we want to be a church where we say we see people. 
because God sees you. He knows you. He loves you. He wants the best for you. You cannot hide from God. That's why when he gets to 99, he's like, wait a minute, there's supposed to be 100. And he goes after you. Listen, you can wrestle with God all you want. Speaking from personal experience, God will win every time. It's just a matter of how long it's going to take. That's your choice. Because he's running after you and he is putting everything in he, that he can in your path to turn you back, to seek you out, cause you to repent. Ezekiel 34, for this is what the Lord says, See, I myself will search for my flock and look for them as a shepherd looks for his sheep on the day he is among his scattered flocks. So I will look for my flock. I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and total darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples, gather them from the countries, and bring them to their own soil. I will shepherd them on the mountains of Israel in the ravines, and in all the inhabited places of the land. The second thing is the rod comforts the staff. The staff was a symbol of comfort and care because the staff had a little crook on the end of it. And it was a symbol of leadership. And, and it was a, it, the reason it comforted the sheep is because the sheep sometimes get themselves into positions they couldn't get themselves out of. And the, the shepherd would just take the crook and get up underneath the shoulder of the sheep and go whoop. So the shepherd is, he's nudging us and he's guiding us. You, you know this because you look back at your life on all those times and you're like, man, he was knocking us this way a little bit. and He was opening doors and closing doors and sticking to obstacles and blowing wind in our sails and all those moments where you can see where, where God's, Staff was was guiding us and gently correcting us and moving us over. So God's rod of protection, it comforts us. But the staff, it's a symbol of authority. It's a symbol of rule. It's a symbol of his dominion. It's a symbol of his rightful place as our shepherd and protects us. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What I want you to know is listen to my voice with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Your shepherd, God, loves you. Your shepherd, God, knows you. Your shepherd, God, wants the best for you. Your shepherd, God, he wants to lead you through your valley of deepest darkness. forward is to keep moving and stop fighting one step in front of the other keep following his voice even though he's leading you into a valley of deepest darkness and you don't understand it know that he is with you in this very moment and no weapon no weapon formed against you will prosper 
as long as you stay close to the shepherd and his rod. So my question for you is, are you going to stop fighting him? Stick close to the shepherd. If I can pray for you today, if, if you have a prayer, just you've just been overcome with fear, you don't know how to overcome it, you just don't know which way is up, you feel like you're in the valley of deepest darkness in your life, and I can pray for you, would you raise your hand? Just every head bowed and every eye closed, just raise your hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Lots of hands. Thank you. Thank you. God, I pray for these people. I know what it's like to go through it dark valley and I think all of us know that we've gone through valleys we might be in valleys but there's probably valleys in the future so I pray Lord that you would make your presence real in these valleys that as the walls close in and as they 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 cause us to be even closer to our shepherd than we ever were before, Lord, that we would experience an intimacy with our God we've never had before. That it's in these moments of deepest darkness, Lord, that you would draw us closer to you and closer to your presence. Thank you for listening today. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, would you let us know by going to alineachurch.org connect? We would love to put a free gift in your hand. Thank you to everyone who gives to support this ministry. If you would like to give today, you can do so by searching for Alinea on Venmo or going to alineachurch.org slash give. As always, if you live in the Murfreesboro area, we would love to see you in person at 10 a.m. at 707 West Main Street. Until then, God sees you, He loves you, and He wants the best for you.